All right, welcome everyone. TJ Ferreira is joining me today. He's a veteran operator in the e-commerce and tech space. He's got 25 years plus in online marketing, operations, and technology. And he gave Bubs Natural the firepower to launch and continue maintaining an eight-figure influencer program without investing in a bunch of tools, services, or agency. So he is a true bootstrapper style guy. And he focused on the most important number one things that stands the test of time, relationships and fundamentals. Okay. You guys can keep it simple. Trust me, this episode can deliver a lot of value on how you can do this without investing a lot of money. And it's doable by everybody that has the right mindset. So let's get into it today. Welcome everyone to the Partner Up Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Viancourt, a former introverted small towner who now adds value to businesses by sharing the most effective ways to grow and scale using affiliate and influencer partnership strategies. I'll share the lessons I've learned over the past 15 years while helping my clients generate more than 100 million in sales. We'll also dive into productivity hacks, mindset, and the newest trends from real case studies and expert interviews. You're just one partnership away from changing your business. So get ready, partner up, and profit. Let's get into it. All right, TJ Ferreira, welcome to the Partner Up Profits podcast. Man, I'm excited to have you on the show today, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting for me as well. Before we get started, what's something interesting about you that not many people might know? Uh, I have 370 some odd skydives. Uh, that's that's one of the things that most people don't know about me. I uh, fell into or fell fell into jumping, uh, going through some life crisis stuff, and figured out that uh, killing myself until deciding not to was the right way to cope with everything. So decided to start jumping out of planes and wingsuiting for a little bit. I haven't uh, since COVID hit. Uh, sold all my gear, but that that is something that most people don't know. Is like, oh wait a minute, you jumped out of planes and did the wingsuiting stuff and the whole nine yards. So, okay, that's an adventure. I've never even been, so it's maybe something on my to do list, my bucket list here. Um, speaking of adventurous, man, like you've had quite the growth trajectory with Bubs Naturals. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about influencer marketing, and I really wanted to pick your brain. You and I connected for the first time at ClickBank Platinum this past summer. And I know you guys have done an amazing job over the past, like what, five, six years, eight yeah. influencer marketing program now being sustained and you guys have learned so much. So I wanted to bring you on here. I wanted to bring like you in the expert light, make sure that we cover a couple of things. So I have a really, I've got some succinct points I want to get to and some questions I'm dying to ask you. <laughs> but um, yeah, TJ's team is, you know, you're Bubs Natural, one of the co-founders, right? Yep. Yeah. So we're we're knocking on six years right now. So September 10th, 11-ish is when, when we launched in 2019. So, or 20, sorry, 2017. So we're rolling, rolling right up on the anniversary. And it's always a, always a good time of year to, you know, have some fun and plan some sales and reflect on what's going on. But we, yeah, we've had great trajectory. I mean, I can't complain, but I've been D to C in e-commerce since 98. So um, quite a bit of time and it's yeah, the aging myself. <laughs> I tried to do the math on some of your math and I was like, man, this guy's like just the youngest looking older guy I know or what? Yeah. I, 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 I've said this five times this week. I've lived my life backwards. Yeah. Like, completely in reverse. And I'm like, I- I'm content with it. I'm totally fine with it. But you know, normally people start a career low growth, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, get some experience and keep leveling up and then, you know, f- become the entrepreneur or do something like that. And I was completely different. It was like entrepreneur first, then go to corporate, like way afterwards, decide I don't want to do that, go into entrepreneur again. Um, but it's always been an e com, which has been really fun. So I mean, 
it's uh, it's a gift and a curse. And the, I mean, the gift is time around the sun and time in this space. I do have a good handle on the landscape and it's like confidence that is so nice. The curse is like, I've seen so much that you really only realize that like 4% of everything works across the span of two or three decades in this space, like truly best practices, like really work. And we're chasing most of the time paper cups and shiny things with iOS 14, 15, 16, 18 restrictions or restrictions from the majors, uh, Google Meta, what have you, or restrictions from internal. Like there's always a constant battle, but yeah, yeah. as it stands, it's, it's pretty good right now. I have no complaints. Well, your track record speaks for itself. Obviously, success with Bubs and everything else you've taken on. I want You and I were riffing a bit on the myths and debunking some marketing myths as well yeah. as coming in trends. With relation to like really work with influencers at a profitable level, some people have had been burned by influencer deals and never went back to it. Some people don't know how to get into it. So I really wanted to bring you and like you and I have so many conversations about different things. And I was like, let's just own this in on influencers as much as possible. How to start, how to not waste money. And then what's trending and what's coming, both from like, you know, people's processes and anything else you've seen coming down the line. So before we kind of jump to those specific questions, um, tell us a little bit of how you started Bubs Naturals. Yeah, so um, started again 2017 with Sean and I. Um, Sean's my business partner. We were work dating um, for quite a bit of time. And actually, I, I can spend an entire hour talking about us being in the same room together from the time I was 15 years old to the time we started Bubs when I was, I don't know, 37, 38, 36, somewhere in that range. But Sean and I have crossed paths and literally been shoulder to shoulder at the same room, same conferences, same events across that time span and did not get into true business with each other until 34, 35 in terms of me. So I had 20 years of like being shoulder to shoulder with this dude in different places of us playing the name game, knowing all this stuff. And then it kind of materialized divine intervention or whatever. But we were both at his house. He had a tub of collagen on the table. I was arbitraging college in on Amazon from one of the major brands out there and knew it had a good trajectory. Um, and it was like, yeah, cool. You take that stuff. And he's a little bit older than me. Um, at the time we started the company, I think he was like 46 or 47. So about 10 years older than me. And um, he's like, oh, my joints hurt. This hurts, that hurts. And we worked out every day together. We did all this stuff. And lo and behold, he's singing the praises of college and that it's the best thing ever. And that's what's on his desk. And his wife tells him to take it and He's able to fly across the country and coach and not hurt. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you believe in it. Want to start a company? And literally, like, that's how I landed, headed out. We were at his house and napkin math, and he's got like his newborn in his hand type thing. And I mean, like, literal newborn. And we're mathing out how much does a tub cost? How much does raw materials cost? I think this makes sense. We've worked together on projects. Let's try this. And, um, you know, the down the downside to the whole story, at least on my half and the upside and just picking the right business partner and being um, being anchored in the fact that you got a teammate that's got your back. Uh, like that was the cool thing about Lake is like I started this business with about $300 to my name and I've done the ups and downs and made seven figures and made nothing and like had a very checkered past. But this is the one where I was like, okay, we're all in. Let's go. And, you know, a couple of years later, we're still here and it's really nice. Yeah, man, that's, it's incredible whenever somebody partners up with the right people. Like I've heard that story so many times. There's very little solo entrepreneurs kind of doing it by themselves. I think there's always that partnership that exists. So 
That's amazing. You guys found each other. And like you said, later in your career, you know what I mean? It wasn't like from the start. And uh, yeah. that also gives you time to kind of cast off the shackles of everything and your biases back in your earlier uh, earlier years. You know what I mean? And you come in with a fresh perspective and really insane amount of mistakes. Like an insane amount of mistakes that I could stack up. I mean, God, I can't wait to, wait to write the book and just be like, here, don't do these things. <laughs> like, let's talk about mistakes, okay? Yeah. I started working with influencers. Um, was that totally. one? And like, whose idea was it? How did you start? How did you get your first influencer? So again, background in the space, 25 plus years in e-commerce since 98, Yahoo RTML. If anybody remembers Yahoo stores, that's kind of where I started. Played in literally anything you can think of uh, except for like ClickBank ask affiliates. So the commission junctions, the pepper jams of the world, that was another version of affiliates. So played there, played and paid, played in SEO, was really good at SEO, turning that back around actually now, surprisingly, but stacked pretty much every facet. And then also just running P&L and running the division and everything like that, understanding logistics and platform and frameworks. So I kind of played the space. And for us, it was, okay, where are the strengths of both partners in this? And for me, media buying was my strength for, you know, called the last half a decade when it was hot and heavy. It was really good at it, honed some good skills, was able to, you know, basically do eight to 10X ROAS with any client with my eyes closed. Now we look back at that like the heyday and wow, that's insane. But that's when we started Bubs and it was, okay, TJ, you're skilled in media buying. We don't have a huge budget, but let's go at it. But we also have to supplement that with other things to jumpstart this. Because remember, Lake and I are completely just throwing darts against the wall, hoping this works. Let's buy inventory. How much inventory do we got to buy? I don't know, 10,000 is the MOQ. Cool. Let's do that. Now, what do we do? We got to move it. Uh-oh. So I don't want to say it was the best plan in place, but it was truly a trial of like, let's see if we work together. Let's see if we can buy a fixed amount of units, move those units in a period of time, and then do it again twice as hard, and then do it again twice as hard. And that's literally how the business ramped up. So again, moving 10,000 units to 20,000 units to 40,000 units to 80,000 units for us was like, TJ, you can media buy, but that cost, I don't know, at the time, $25 CPA. And that felt like we were bleeding. And it was with margin and everything like that. And then it stepped into, okay, how else are we going to do this? We should really look into partnering with some folks and leveraging their audience and uh, in, in, their authority for all intents and purposes, because we're brand new and people don't necessarily trust us right out of the game. I mean, we're trustworthy guys, but like, maybe you don't like my shirt. It's the wrong green. Okay, fine. Let's get somebody else that's going to lead you down that path and, you know, get you to the promised land, so to speak, just as we want to. We want you at the end goal. You're going to have somebody that's an intermediary that's going to want an end goal. Fortunately, Sean was founder of DC Snow, basically rolled in with Ken Block and started that entire company. So pulled the forum snowboard team, was Sean White's basically, I don't know, handler, I would say is like the best way to put it. But like Sean Lake, my business partner was at Burton as well, running Burton Snow team and taking Sean White all around the world to medal and do the Olympics and supervise him and make sure he had Thanksgiving dinners with his family and everything like that. So it was like, hey dude, you got a Rolodex. I got some media buying skills. And Shreds, if anybody remembers, that company was hot and heavy at that time. And it was like, you were looking at the Page Hathaways of the world. And I, if I rack my brain, pick out three more names of the folks that they had, the Joey Swoles and whatever. And they're doing whitelisting before it was even a thing for Facebook mm. and capitalizing and just murdering sales. 
And then you watch some of those influencers go over to other partnerships. And one of them was like a boxing setup that you put in your house. And it was like, hey, you bought the TV, you're going to stream a boxing workout and here's a bag. And then all the shreds models went to that. And you watch that company blow up. And I'm like, there's something here. We got to double down. And that was the foray long-winded into, hey, let's call some of your Rolodex, Sean, and get some important people posting about this so we get more exposure. The reality of it is with the bottom line, it's impression arbitrage. Where are you finding the cheapest impressions to get the first touch point for a customer and get them to that path? And that's really what we were looking at. No, that's interesting. And you mentioned one term, which I want to circle back to for people who are new to influencer marketing, whitelisting, which is also now called like creator licensing or cre there's all these different names of evolutions. It's basically when you're advertising someone's creative assets or the content they created with your product in an advertisement that looks like they're promoting it through their own profile, whether it's on Instagram or TikTok. So that's whitelisting where you're controlling the ad spend, but you're advertising through their account. And to your point, that was like a huge thing. And it was like a monster 10x probably returns for you guys. And now people are catching up. So it's like the playing field has been leveled a little bit, but there's still some value to this. And we should talk, I want to talk a bit more deeper on the whitelisting later on in advanced strategy. For sure. You guys had a bit of a Rolodex to begin with, which is awesome. Um, now that you've kind of uh, maybe tapped into those, or if you're looking for more organic micro-influencers, what's your strategy with your team these days to like, first, how do you find them? Um, yeah. How are you structuring the deals so that it's mitigating the, I'm going to pay a bunch of money and not get any returns, if at all? I don't know if you guys have that structure, but I just want to hear like- We've had that experience. Let, let's talk a bit about that. Because I want like some tactical things that people can walk away and go, okay, this is how I get a micro-influencer, even though I don't know, you know, Sean White. <laughs> right, right, right. For sure. Absolutely. Um, I think starting, I mean, the easiest way to do this is like, you have to look in your own Rolodex, your own contacts list, your own email list, your history, and literally tap the people that you know that you're friends with. That's first and foremost, because that's going to be the warmest thing there. And you don't need somebody that, you don't need a Kardashian or somebody that has 15 million followers. And in fact, that's probably the bad strategy to lead with. Um, way I look at it is people that have sub 5,000 followers are kind of the honey spot, like for organic beyond like getting into the whitelisting because it's their aunts, cousins, nephews, brothers, uncles, sisters, mothers, fathers, what have you, and little extended employees and work networks that followed them and hang on every single word. And that is the easiest warm intro to getting that first touch point, in my opinion. However, getting to that level and be able to find a micro influencer, find a nano influencer and partner with them or go bigger. There's definitely some learning curve involved in that and kind of how to treat the individuals, um, what to ask from them, how to ask from them, you know, and, and kind of dance around. And then also, like you said, compensate them, structure deals and beyond. Um, the easiest thing for us starting was we fell into it because Sean had a contacts list, but getting people with plus 10,000 followers to post, pretty easy. Some folks came back and I mean, truly like Olympic silver medalists and stuff would come back and snowboarding and be like, hey, you know, the post is 60 grand. And we're like, hey, we can't afford that. So there was definitely some like ebb and flow on it. But the folks that did want to do it kind of because they liked the product, they liked the brand, they had good relationships with us. It was good touch points into the market of saying, okay, if we do get X influencer posts and they do have Y number of followers, what's the conversion off of that for the day? How does it affect the overall traffic? Does it affect revenue? Does it affect AOV? What does it look like just landscape wide? And 
for anybody that's listening that thinks grabbing somebody with a hundred thousand followers plus is going to be the silver bullet to sales um you'd probably start the podcast over again and like relist it and bring out some notebooks because that's not the key to success like that's unicorn stuff not many people have you need to make these people your best friends make them feel seen right and heard love them like they're employees of the business or they're members of your family and truly create deep and meaningful partnerships with these folks where you guys can grow together in perpetuity if you're just going out there to get eyeballs on your brand and you're not recognizing the effort that the creator economy is putting in and as much as i hated that term two years ago it's very very real and it has to be paid attention to that's where the winds are is like make sure all the ships rise with the tide and you're going to you're going to accelerate pretty quick if you play the 10,000 follower game and get a post you're going to realize pretty quick that that doesn't do a lot and you need all the moons to align and all the alchemy to work to make that thing oh hey we got you know somebody with x amount of followers to post and we shotgunned out 62 sales today or 200 sales today or whatever mm. You're running into copy, you're running into hooks, you're running into retention, you're running into product market fit. Like it goes so deep to hone to get, I think, at least in our experience, a winning group of influencers together. And you asked a question of like, how are we building that and where are we going into that? And that's taken an evolution as well. It's went from Rolodex to expensive systems and platforms that may or may not have been worth it. And I can rattle off names or just say the landscape of the influencer hunting platforms, take Shopify collabs and understand that there's 200 other versions that are similar to that, all basically pulling from the same API. Like, yeah, that's an evolution. Does that work for your business or not? For us, we tried it three or four different ways. It didn't. What's the next evolution? And then it becomes high touch. And I truly like at the end of the day, I think with all things in business, you know, the, the name of the game is scale the unscalable and do the hard work and the things that other people aren't willing to do. And unfortunately, that tends to be the boring stuff and the high touch stuff and the curated cared stuff, the handwritten notes, the phone calls, the voicemails, the personalized emails, the reaching out to the influencer that just got Achilles surgery that may haven't posted for you in three years and you recognize that they're going to be in the hurt locker and your product is going to take care of them and you send them a care package and get insane amounts of recognition on the back end that you didn't ask for. Those are the relationships that you want going forward. That's how you build the true, at least in my opinion, and you're the expert. Obviously, we're going to get to different places on this, but I think that foundationally for our company is like the baseline measurement of success. It's like, do we have those family members in place? Yes? Okay, let's expand and really grow the channel now. Before we get into the episode, make sure to visit partnerupprofits.com to get access to my library of systems, tools, templates, and courses to help you and your teams level up in affiliate and influencer marketing strategies. The Bootstrapper's Guide to Influencer Marketing is the go-to resource for making sense of how to profitably start, build, and scale an influencer marketing program. And it's got over two hours of free video lessons along with a resource guide. And I'm constantly adding new things to make your life easier with plug and play tools and templates. And it doesn't stop at influencer marketing. So if you like done for you systems and free stuff, then be sure to go to partnerupprofits.com and join the community today. And that's why I, th that's why I think we really connected. Like, cause I see the nurturing side is just uh, such an important concept to never let go of. It's like, there's, there's a book called never lose a customer. And 
all those books are about nurturing and the acquisition is the hardest part, right? And the second hardest part is keeping a customer alive or a partner alive, you know, in terms of them continuing to be engaged. But you said so many things here I want to circle back to you. Like, so one thing is you can start to associate a CPM with influencers, but, you know, to your point, looking just at vanity metrics, like the follower count is definitely short-sighted. You need to account for engagement, location of audience. There's so many other places to look for. Also, chasing the vanity metrics of the big dogs, the ones with a million followers. Is there a chance it could hit? Maybe. Maybe somebody posts has a million followers and it takes off, but I guarantee 95% of the time that I've done it, at least, and I've heard experiences, it doesn't work well. It's just this pipe dream. And you end up blowing all your budget, getting sour. You never want to go back to influencer marketing and you hate it. The micro yeah. follower, or the micro influencers, the people that have 5, 10, 15, um, yeah, you might still have to pay them for some accountability, uh, but they're the ones I'd be paying attention to. And those are the ones that are going to eventually increase your your kind of like net worth, your brand equity in terms of how people see you, where then you can chase people or people end up chasing you. The momentum's hard to build, but then people start to get attention to your brand. And that's the purpose of influencers and content creators, in my opinion. KPIs as far as sales is great, but awareness and bringing more people into the ecosystem through who's posting and who's aware of them posting. And I would say that, you know, one final thing is there's very few deals. I'm not saying you can't do these. I'm just saying it, historically for me, if somebody doesn't want to work with me on some sort of commission basis, meaning they're tied to performance, they're probably not going to be tied to the performance and care about if we make sales or care about of the, of the journey of the company. So you could still buy them out, get an asset, try to whitelist it. But in my opinion, um, I prefer working with the longevity partners, people that want to you know, be with us for longer terms. But one other thing, because I want to talk about KPIs, key performance indicators, measurements. How do you analyze influencers? Because a lot of people, if, if you talk to certain agencies and softwares and people like that, not, not they got some, there's a lot of great people in those companies. They're like, well, we're just here to increase your awareness. It's like, well, what does that mean? Like, if I'm spending $50,000 a year, like, I need to know what that is in ROI. So, one thing you said, and I've heard this a few times, and I like this. Anybody who hasn't started an influencer program or who's starting it now or has a few people, measure your cost per acquisition of customer right away. And that blended cost needs to start to go down as you start to do influencer marketing in general. I mean, that should be your aim anyways, try to bring that cost down. But you can attribute to all the different sales being made, especially from podcast ads. People are in their car. They're not going to go, you know, they forget the link, they forget the code, but all of a sudden you see a spike in Amazon or something like that, right? Yeah. So many points to that. Um in terms of maybe whenever you're looking at a paid campaign, though, let's just let's play devil's advocate a little bit. You paid for somebody, you want them to do a post for you. Um, what's your day one return look like or what's success look like when you're doing those types of deals with content creators or influencers? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, we'll rewind two seconds and anybody that's catching up and, and really looking to get into the space seriously, I think paramount above anything. And this is like I'm holding up the mirror as I'm, as I'm saying this because it's this something I reflect on quite a bit. Button up your tracking. That's it. Like, if there's a title to this podcast, button up your tracking, please, everybody. Um, that is very, very real. And I think more importantly, people rush into these things without having a clear lens on the systems that are in place that are tracking one link clicks, inbounds, um, anything that's just your general routing on the site, depending on what you have. If you have a PWA in place, if you're running Shopify, if you're running, you know, SAM card, it doesn't matter. Just make sure you understand the traffic coming into your site and the output and understand that it is accurate and good and make sure that you have those, um, those checks and balances in place because 
the first part, if your tracking's off, the rest of this model just goes right out the door. It makes no sense at all. Um, so having said that, for us, it was originally a numbers game. It was a vanity metrics game. Like we're a new brand. You see, again, I'll use the shreds example just because it's awesome and funny. And you know, there's another company on the back end that's doing pretty yeah. good with a similar strategy and that mad respect to those boys. Uh, they're doing a good job. Um, we wanted we wanted famous people to post our shit. Of course, that makes you feel good as a brand. Like, cool, you're getting massive recognition out there. But again, the reality is, do any of those transact? And it's hard pressing your experience and hard pressing my experience across multiple brands, not just Bubs, that those actually work. And um, I was involved with another supplement company, just like as a as a secondary data point, I was involved in another supplement company with a very, very prominent, if not top of breed motocross guy, best in the space. Um, and leveraging four to 500,000 followers as a brand owner, still an uphill battle. And strangely enough, Bub scaled faster and harder than that company and has surpassed them by like 20X. And so it's it's product market, again, it goes into everything, it's product market fit. It's the influencers, the hook, the message, the copy. You're looking at all of these things. So where are you getting those metrics from and what do you trust and what's your source of truth? Button up tracking first, make sure your source of truth is revenue. That's pretty much where everybody should be at the end of the day. It's the money I'm putting in equating to the money I'm putting out. Am I burning? Am I gaining? What's that look like? And that's kind of first and foremost for us. So, hey, we got a campaign that's launching today and we spent a grand. Our average days, you know, are 10 grand. We did 12 okay, there's an anomaly there. Can we dig in deeper and look at that? And that's more from, I think, completion side of things and making sure like if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. But you also have to measure the inbound and pick the right partners and make sure that the money's right if you are paying that partner and it's not a product trade or the commission structure's right if you are paying that partner. And those measurements have kind of evolved. So that comes into beyond, again, the early vanity metrics of like, hey, we want a famous person. It's like, What's your follower account? Okay. Are they within thresholds? And how are we looking at those thresholds? Are we filling different buckets? Do I want big influence? Do I want 20 of them or do I want three of them? And so we kind of equate the spread like that first, then go a little bit deeper and hey, what's your audience? And it's not necessarily just demo geo stuff. 54% male, 34% female, you know, predominant 88% US. Like we want to go into, do you have an audience that's specific to a reason? Like, are you there for health goals? Are you there to promote, you know, nutrition or a diet structure? Um, are you there to promote, long, promote longevity and like getting after it? Just like as a pro snowboarder, like what is the purpose? How does that fit into our persona? And then look at engagement rate through that. If the engagement rate's good, the audience is set and everything's proper, then cool, let's get in and have some fun. And that could start with a product trade. And yeah, honestly, you could go all the way up in the, hey, there's just a paid partnership right out of the gate if we're willing to take that gamble because all of the math works out up until that point. It's rare that that actually happens though. I mean, like that's a, in my mind, that's a complete unicorn scenario and everybody in our company has to be, yes, Logan Paul's the right person to do this or whoever. Like, I mean, it's, it, it takes kind of that level of scrutiny yeah. And we just, we just went through that with a major podcast that was getting, you know, actually just had Logan Paul on as a guest on Monday and like 5 million downloads. And we called it off because the math wasn't right. And we we're like, this is a true gamble. Okay. We're going to pass. 
let's let's measure stuff that we can track and manage that. No, it's it's so true. Um, I like the 80-20 rule when it comes to anything in business, you know, and I think that you can still focus on the unicorns, the whales, whatever you want to call them, those like outliers, but your majority focus should just be on building that micro-influencer army who is still hungry. Like they want to yeah. they want to, they want products, they want to be part of you. Not yes. Celebrities, they don't want to be part of you. They don't care. They can just sign another check, right? Nothing against it. Good for you guys. But like, it doesn't fit into this. Um, I don't want to say it's a niche D to, like, you know, uh, e-com brand, but like we're we're not, I think, at the billion dollar pharmaceutical mark when it comes to some of these product brands we're dealing with. One thing you did mention, I think, and it goes back to your, your skydiving experiences here. It's like there's an adventurous side that's needed for a company owner or, or a product team lead person to go into influencer marketing. Because there's a lot of of so-called risk, right? Like I'm looking past the initial KPI of revenue because I've had instances where someone did a post, it broke even. So I might've spent 10K, made nine. And it's like, oh, that sucks on paper. Two years later, I get an intro to somebody that changes the business for us because like, oh, yeah, I've been following you ever since I saw that one post from that one guy. And I know like that's hard to believe, but that happens more often than you would think. I was going to say that's a that's one of the more real scenarios. Too. Yeah, it's like it's a I, I equated the hard dollars and soft dollars, and that's kind of how I like run most of the presentations. Like if I've been selling to somebody or what have you in a previous life, it's hard dollars versus soft dollars. Like, can I actually pin down on an Excel sheet input versus output? That's my hard dollars. I'll always talk hard dollars because that's really the bottom line. That's what we're paying taxes on, our salaries on, and everything else. But the soft dollars, which is like all the management shit that you can equate. It's the long-term value. It's the long tail on things. It's, hey, do I have compounding growth if I get page one for an incredibly long tail term and then build content clusters to get the page one six months later for one of the main terms? Like, how am I compounding that growth? And that's a lot of the times that I at least see people not concentrating there and say, oh yeah, this is really a two-year game, a three-year game, a five-year game because not only are you leveraging their audience you know, as we get into the whitelisting and you see this overlap or they call it this Venn diagram where I have one audience here, one audience here, and we share a little bit and there's some interest there, but we're attacking way more growth. And again, it benefits the creator as much as it benefits us because they're getting exposure to our audience that we've built that's a fan of us. So we have this kind of all the ships rise with the tide. And if we concentrate there more than anything, that's the fruit, I think, of this whole mixture is like really looking at that and measuring on that. Like once you check all of those boxes and they're ready to go and they want to grow with you as a partner, that's the person you press play on and you really don't look back because you're commission-based typically or you're trade-based or it's a pretty friendly fee and they're getting some return and you get those stories on the back end three months later. It's like, yeah, hey, I've been following you forever. The Telemundo star, <laughs> this is a real story. Telemundo star that's got 6.7 million followers or something like that. And she lives in Mexico City. And she follows her cousin, who's a, an independent Apple service repair specialist in San Diego, and then finds our product and posts a product to half of Mexico. That's a real story. That's a situation that my business partner looped himself in, brought his Mac, his iPhone tech, his independent iPhone tech, a tub of bubs, and it made it to a Telemundo star three months later that asked for absolutely nothing from us and said, thank you. This is a great product. Incredible. Like yeah. wild stories, man. It's yeah. real. The, the last thing I'll say with stories, you get a lot of great creative stories that your copywriters might not even ever thought of. 
Like through people posting and telling you their stories, there's an emotional connection and a copywriter's dream of all these new concepts you haven't even thought of for your own product. So I I love the back and forth with that. Um, We could, I mean, there's so many episodes we could probably do on all this topics and I think we need to continue to- Probably should do them. But I want to jump into, so I want somebody to leave here with like, they haven't started a program or they have a program but they're not sure what to do. And especially there's so many conflicting opinions. There's new softwares, there's new platforms. What do I use? And so here's the picture, right? I drop you in behind enemy lines somewhere else. You're not part of any company. You find a company because they have to make money. Okay. They're asking you, please build my influencer marketing program. And you have to start from scratch, knowing the trends and the mistakes you've done and the successes you've seen. Where does someone start in the course of 30 days to get that first first partnership, but then scale into, you know, the six figure, seven figure program and beyond? Yeah, I mean, it's, it depends on the size of the company, to be honest with you, because it's like that kind of dictates product market fit and whether or not you're trying to reach for that still. Okay. And that becomes an experiment. I go, if we have it already, if we have it already, it's a different game. Great product, um, but the the manager needs to get the buy-in from the CEO. It's like, I don't really know about this influencer game. You know, you have to show me something. That's typically what people are seeing yeah. when they're working with influencers. It's like, absolutely. So start there. And, and so, and so on that one, to be honest with you, like it's not by fancy programs. And, and again, we have signed contracts and then I will just say personally, like went through three or four of the majors, uh, and they're good to an extent. Again, they're good for discovery, but the price, I just don't see the worth, um, to get you started. And this is like, I think with most channels opening in the e-commerce space, whether you're going to get into SEO or you're going to get into paid search, paid social, or you're going to get into affiliate marketing, or you just want to be really good at conversion rate optimization. Taking the first step is usually like that hardest component of like, oh, how am I going to build my site and React framework? Okay, I should probably learn React first and not just like open a CLI and start going after it. So first step is like your phone and type in sheets.new in your browser. And that is it. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't invest in anything aside from the existing relationships that I have. And to be honest with you, the next best pool of people that are beyond warm from your contacts list, you're going to go into Shopify or whatever platform you have in your, your, your customer management, and you're going to sort by most buys. And you're going to attack the people that have bought your product the most and double down on them because they are your biggest fans and they've been silent. And the ones that want to talk about it, will be your best friends for the next couple of months because those are the ones that are going to start off and actually get you in the game and get you as a brand owner or as an operator in a company actionable and taking another step and another step and another step because it is pretty lonely starting these things out unless you have some reaction from some folks. Otherwise, you just feel like you're at the mountaintop of the megaphone going, hey, talk about my product. Like, who else wants to come in? Come to this link, fill out this form. And it's like, you play a numbers game and sometimes it works and you'll get some hints, but go deep. Sheets.new, grab your phone, go down your top customers, start there and you will have good success and literally just do the work. Like get them to post, hold them accountable, have them schedule posts, get it on the day, remind them up until that spot. You have to be there and hold their hand. But I can tell you what, the hand holding is going to be really good because the math side, when you're looking at the CPMs that you're paying on Meta in November for your vertical and they're $43 and you're going, oh man, if I got to hit 300,000 people, it's going to cost a lot of money. 
but then homie next door is 375,000 and they're doing it on product trade, you're going to figure out how to impression arbitrage real fast. Yeah. And that's, that's such the opposite of what people are hearing. Everyone's saying, invest in this so you can discover thousands of influencers. Discovering influencers isn't hard. I can go on my phone and just hashtag search everything. That's easy. It's the closing. It's the structure. It's the process. It's what you don't know yet that you're going to yep. learn through the process. Don't practice on people you're paying money for. Practice on your customers that have already given you money and want to help you. And then use that process, leverage it, continue to grow and expand and, and, and risk a little bit, put into some paid campaigns. But everyone needs to learn to walk before they run, right? It's like such a cliche thing to say, but it's the truth. And, um, you know, shameless plug for my site, there's an outreach tracker sheet that I just offer for free. It's like, start there. That Just use this little thing because that's yeah. what we use. And we built an eight-figure and on our way to nine-figure influencer program. Insane. Everyone's like, what do you mean? And I know other people running bigger companies than us that are also running in Sheets and Google. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's free tools. You know what? Honestly, in, in again, 25 years around the sun doing this stuff and looking under the hood at a lot of big companies. And I mean, just to name drop a few, Apple, Macy's, Wimps, Sonoma, Walmart, Victoria's Secret. Like I've been in the belly of beast of every single one of those and looked under the hood. The most successful ones are typically writing on sheets. Yeah. Almost everything exclusively. Like the folks that have systems and BI tools and everything else, like usually those come a little bit later at scale and you see the successful companies that have a big dashboard up and we're tracking these metrics and that takes time. But the folks that are call it, I don't know, sub 50 million in revenue overall, everybody that I've seen that's been hitters, unicorns, people that I'm just like, man, I wish I had, or man, this would be cool if they're usually running everything in sheets. Yeah. And I would say personally, we've done Airtable, Asana, ClickUp Monday, it doesn't matter. Like we've done it all. It's always reduced to sheets at the end. Yeah. Somebody's not active in it. We're always just bringing it back to sheets and like, why pay for the platform? Nobody's using it anyway. Let's just go back to sheets. So it's like, don't overcomplicate it if you don't have to. And yeah, you're going to get hosed by a couple BDRs that might call you and try to sell you a platform <laughs> for 2,500 a month to discover some stuff. And, you know, maybe that works for your business and maybe it doesn't. It could be successful. And like, not to say that. They're bad. They're not. Not, but crawl, walk, run. Concentrate on the crawl more than anything. Like, are you efficient? Super efficient at crawling. If you are, awesome. Go walk. Yeah. If you're not efficient at crawling, don't try to walk. It doesn't work. I, I think <laughs> that. Well, one thing I'll mention too is like, um, I made the mistake. I thought that the gatekeepers were these softwares. Thinking if I get, we're gonna be able to get through the gate. The gatekeepers are mostly represented by agencies now. And the agency people are very still hard to get a hold of. And what I've also noticed with some agencies, again, not putting agencies down, but that they're overused and their primary mission is to sell more contracts. So the churn rate's big. So don't get caught up in the, and I've done it. I've made that dumb mistake a few times. It's like, if I get this, I'm going to get all these people that I think. It's like, go to an event, network a little bit. You know, find out who knows who and just work that system because it's it's boring and it's fundamentals, but it's it works. <laughs> that's like the out of this whole thing that we've talked about, that's the dirty secret on this. Like, I mean, if you, if you want to spill the beans and open the kimono, the best way to get influencers, like go to an event. <laughs> the best way to get creators, go to an event. And like for us, just as an example, one of the best things that we've done for two years in a row and they've been really, really good to us as a company called GoRuck. It's a backpack company. And they've been around for a mm, decade and a half or something like that. Um, started by some veterans and 
they decided to put on events post-COVID in Jacksonville. And we've been fortunate enough to be friends of the brand and have shown up to their two years, their inaugural event in this past one. And both of those events, which are arguably attendance-wide, sub-5,000 people over the course of the weekend, have yielded more partnerships, more business, more opportunities to chase like tangible, real goals, real opportunities, not just magnificent maybes of like, I'll call you in six months and maybe we'll do one of these things, but things that you're chasing the next week, events lay it on that. It's unreal because you're getting in front of somebody and you're taking the phone out of it and you're actually like getting down the brass tacks. I would say succinctly, you're doing it at events, what you should be doing with your creators via phone. Mm. That's it. You're, you're, you're working out with them. You're spending some time with them. You're understanding their pain points, their life, what backpack they use, what shoes they wear, why they wear them. Like all of those things are just coming out, both verbal and nonverbal in conversation. Five to 10 brand recommendations made in a 60 second conversation, verbal or nonverbal. I haven't said a thing about go buy bubs, but I've been wearing the hat the whole time. I haven't seen a thing about flattery flannels, but here I am. Like these are things that go, you haven't said a thing about a sure mic, but I know it's the best mic in the world. And I know it because Joey has it. Like those are all the things that sack up and you have to account for those as you're going and hunting and getting these creators in your fold. Those are the things that help you win. Don't fall for the trap of like volume is better. No, man. Uh, I would love to keep going on this. I think we got another couple hours, like a Rogan episode. Yeah, easily. <laughs> uh, I know you got to hop at the, at the top of this hour here. So I want to take you through a bit of a, it's a really quick fire round. Okay. This yeah. is my personal passion project the podcast. This is actually the reason why I started it. So I'm trying to compile 101 ways to partner up and profit with connections, whether creators, whether new affiliates, people, anybody in your life that you're trying to make an impressionable, you know, uh, impression on, I guess that was wrong yeah. to put it. So what's your partner up profits power move to connect with somebody? And you can't say personalized loom video and handwritten postcard. You can't say that. Yeah, those are kind of gross anyway. Uh, those have been overused. Like, unless I have your number in my phone book and I'm like texting you a video message, like maybe, maybe you're going to get that. But personalized looms, nah, that's not good. Um, God, there's, there's so many different angles on this. Um, trying to distill it to the easiest thing that somebody can implement regardless of what vertical brand product they're actually tapping into and um, bring value first. That's it. Don't come with your handout. I think that's where arguably in sales or any relationship that you're creating, like it sets tempo of the relationship of how this is going to be. Do you want a transactional relationship with your creators? And answer that question. If that flow chart goes to no, I want a deeper relationship with them, then stop asking the fucking post for a fee. Like build a relationship with them. So for us and something that's in my DNA, and obviously we touched on this like as we first met, like I want to bring as much value to any conversation that I can. Sometimes it's to a fault and you know, I'm a know-it-all and I'm a prick and, you know, make chase should on people, you should do these things. But like, it's all out of good intention and I truly just like want to see people win. And coming with that from me is usually my secret. And then I try to disseminate that to the rest of the company. It doesn't come off the same way. Everybody got, has their own unique, you know, way of delivering that. Whether again, it's recognizing somebody's Achilles got blown out and sent him a care package or, you know, hey, that's a great recipe. I also had 
Turkish coffee this morning and the cardamom was great and here's what I did. It doesn't matter. You're just creating that dialogue and that relationship, but bring the value first above anything and keep giving. Give, 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 and never ask. Mm. They're going to ask you when it's time. How can I help you? When do you want me to post? What should I say? I've been thinking about X. When that comes, that's when I feel the relationship has organically matured enough that you can take it to that commission level or that product trade level or whatever else you're looking to do. But those are going to be the best long-term relationships, in my opinion. Just hammer them with value and like truly be their friend. Like I'm not, I'm not looking for posters. I'm looking for people that are fans that love the brand constantly. Like that's it. Yeah. Like otherwise, it again, it is transactional. I don't want transactional relationships with creators. That's a that's a that's a good point, and I think it's it's abundance over scarcity, and it's it's giving. So if you have a physical supplements company, and you know we do the same, I'll give products to people to say no to me. Because they don't know me yet. I mean, like, listen, I'm still going to send you some. I think you'd really benefit, especially because you got this coming up. Or, you know, I, I pay attention to their life a little bit. I want to, you know, I want to be authentic and not just because I need to be. It's like, I want to build, like you said, yeah, good relationships. And most often they'll come back and be like, thank you so much for sending this. Like, you didn't have to. And something evolves from that. And right. it doesn't, but you got to be willing to kind of sacrifice some products for the greater good of the better relationships you're developing. There's always deal hunters out there. There's always going to be people that are going to, churn out of subscriptions and renew it the next month so they can save the 30% again. And like those things will happen if you're concentrating on the right spot. And I mean, and what I mean by that is like focus your energy on the positive build instead of triaging and plugging holes that aren't really mattering that are like 0.01% of your business, but they emotionally pull you and you're like, that guy, that's stupid, blah, blah, blah. If you can negate all of that and just not pay attention to that and focus on the positive building, things things shake out a lot better long-term. They really do. And it's, I think as operators in this space, and I mean, you coming from the affiliate and influencer side, me from the media buying side, and like, it, this distills into one thing. We're all dopamine deficient and we just want hits because it makes us happy. So how do I, how do I stack myself up and like literally plan my myself, my life out, my personal life into my business. How do I plan that strategy out enough for success so that I continually get dopamine hits and it's not a dart against the wall with a comedian for 75 grand that does a read on his podcast and you get six sales off the back end and your AOV is 50 bucks. That's another real story. Don't do that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. I love that though. Add, add value regardless of expectation. Um, we haven't really talked about the products, but the products are amazing. Thank you for sending me some. Bubsnapper.com. Uh, you know, if anyone's looking to get a hold of you, what's the best way to kind of reach out to you? Oh man, TJ at bubsnaturals.com will probably get me into some trouble, but I'm willing to give it out there. And uh otherwise call Joey and get my cell phone from him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I I am honestly not that hard to get a hold of. Uh the the dirty secret of my life though is I'm really not on social despite despite the fact that I play there with media buying and everything like that. So Facebook and Instagram don't really happen. I do have a Twitter. I'm at TJ Ferrer on Twitter. Maybe it lights up, maybe it doesn't. I can't help you. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, listen, uh, yeah, definitely check out bubsnaturals.com. You guys have a whole wide range of products from collagen to coffee to like electrolytes. And I've, I've been just sampling them all. And thank you. Thank you, man. Really yeah. appreciate that. Um, I know we got like four minutes left. We can wrap this up because we've got a quick fire round. So we're going to go through it. 10 questions. First thing that comes to mind. And this get this is the get into know TJ portion. So favorite food crepes, best memory. Found that I was having a daughter a couple of days ago. I'm gonna start crying in about thirty seconds. Give me the next one. God, 
Dude, congrats. Oh, I, I, I need to move on, but I want to come back. Um, if, if, if you had another go around, you know, in this life, uh, I got to write a new story. What would it be in 30 seconds or less? Regrets are wasted emotions, man. There wouldn't be another go around. I am very grateful for what I've lived and created thus far. And there's been ups and downs, but man, like the life I have is, is fine. Like this is more than enough. That's awesome. Man. What's the best productivity hack you've ever implemented? A timer. <laughs> Honestly, uh, you underestimate and overestimate what you can do in different events consistently. And this is like, it's the, the hard truth of, hey, I'm going to do this in 30 minutes. And then that timer goes up and you haven't even started it. And you're like, oh God, I've been thinking and analyzing and crunching numbers on Excel or whatever it is. I can do this in 10 minutes and it takes you 60. Either way, I, I would say at the very least, it just helps you balance your time and call you out on your own shit and hold up the mirror of like, hey, you're not as good as knowing yourself as you thought you were. Like these things will take longer and you have to step through them. So plan accordingly. And I think this is like the best non-critical neutral ground call you out and get you to that next level as quick as possible. And so simple too, right? Back yeah. in your retirement years, you know, if you're to look traditional retirement, what are you doing more of or less of? Oh, um, I don't know. I like... I, slowing down is probably where it's going to be. I don't know if I'll ever be able to retire. Um, I have a small investment fund, uh, $30 million VC fund. And I like I actually consider that my retirement post-Bubs. So if we exit Bubs, the next play will be that. Um, if anything, it's going to be in this space. I'm still going to be involved some way, shape, or form and probably coaching somebody or helping some brands uh, not make the mistakes I've made, to be honest with you. More family time and less of that, but that'll be the shift. Awesome, man. What book changed your life? Shameless plug for my psychologist, driven by Doug Brackman. This is uh, an absolute autobiography for people like us that are dopamine deficient, DRD2, DRD4 driven, um, have the greater horizons and boredom gene and stuff like that. But uh, if you feel lost in life or you feel alone because you work hard, your perceived effort seems to be greater than everybody else's and you don't know your place or how to process that, that's probably where to start is Get Driven by Doug Brackman. Okay. That'll be in the, the show notes link and I just wrote it down too. So I'm picking up so many books, man. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, well, we just go right into the deep ones now. So uh, what do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for the person that my mom raised me to be. Mm. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Nobody's going to be remembered in three generations. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> With that, what's one skill you'd recommend developing early on in life as fast as possible? Financial literacy. Yeah. yeah. God, I wish I would have had it a lot sooner and I thought I did, but like truly understanding the landscape, macroeconomic, microeconomic indicators, uh, you know, from global macro forces that pull on different things, understand how the economy in this world shakes out and how liquidity is processed and get into financing and understanding how banks give loans and what the incentives for all the parties are. Understand the game because really that's the game. And if you don't have a handle on that, you're, you're shortchanging yourself and it's not impossible to beat the system or to, to succeed without knowing it, but good God, does it make it easier? <laughs> Uh, that's that's my wish for for my my children. I'm trying to yeah. take lead on that, even though I'm early on, uh, late in life, and I wish I would have been early on. So that's a good one. Lizzo, what's one thing we're celebrating? We're getting back together in one year from today. We're coming back. We're we're clinging glasses here. What are we celebrating? 
I think you and I are going to have a lot of a lot of work to do uh, that we're going to be celebrating on along the way. Some partnership stuff, maybe some courses or something along those lines. But I think we're going to be in each other's lives more often than not. We're coming back and we're celebrating some bigger wins. This isn't going to be TJ's birth of his kid or something like that. I think we're going to be we're going to be tied at the hip for a bit of time on this one and celebrating more things than just one in a year. Well, we, we could celebrate both, but uh, last question, what's one bucket list item that you haven't done that you want to do and you've already done skydiving enough? So oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to go to an elephant sanctuary at some point. As random as that sounds, I'd, I'd be cool to go to Thailand and chill with some elephants. Um, I, I have, as we're closing this out, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a cop-out. I've just been very, very fortunate to do a lot of things and check a lot of bucket list stuff off. And... Um, and- and it's not that I have nothing left. Again, it's just circumstances. And I, I, I get the ability to say, yeah, I've done a lot of really cool things. And, uh, and that's super awesome to just to be 40 and have that. So that's awesome, man. I'm excited for you. Last question, billboard question. What is one thing you put on the billboard, your message to the world? Value first. Uh, value first. Yeah. Awesome, man. Appreciate you. I'm excited for you and your adventures coming up and everything we're going to be celebrating together. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, everyone else. Hopefully got a lot of value from this. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. See you on the next one. All right. Just before you go, make sure to visit partnerupprofits.com. Sign up to the weekly newsletter to get the latest trends and updates on partnership marketing strategies that include affiliates and influencers. I promise it won't be boring. It'll be worth it. And you'll get notified when new episodes go live. And you'll also get instant access to any new tools that I build and add to the Partner Up Profits collection. Be sure to check it out often as I'm adding new things all the time. Go to partnerupprofits.com today. That's all we've got for this Partner Up Profits podcast episode. As always, I hope you leave here today with one new idea that you can apply to your life and business. I'd be forever grateful to you for leaving a review of this episode. And if you like it, rate it a five or give it a thumbs up and just leave a quick comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at partnerupprofits.com on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, you're just one partnership away from changing your business. Let others do the selling for you and get ready to partner up and profit.